Hey guys, it's Jason. I'm back and whatsoever's true. Hope you guys are having a great day. Today we're talking about Christian Stoicism. Okay. Now, Stoicism is the ancient philosophy, of course, wherein is considered virtue is the highest good. So instead of life circumstances, our character, our reaction to those things, certain virtues are the goal, not the happenstance, not the circumstances. And it's, it's become rather popular again, especially in circles that are more, let's say, manly, right? There's been an assault on, on masculinity in our culture, and, and, and times people have recognized this, but they haven't understood the spiritual battle behind the scenes, and therefore, the correct answer to it. And of course, anything that is not centered in Christ is going to lead to more trouble. So just, just changing poisons doesn't make us healthy. We need to have the, the, the antidote to all of it, which is the righteousness of Christ imputed by faith alone, by grace alone, uh, you know, by grace alone, through faith alone, uh, and resting in the word alone. So let's take a look at this and what we mean when I say it. That uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read from Ecclesiastes 8, uh, starting in verse 14. It says, There's a vanity that takes place on earth, that there are righteous people to whom it happens according to the deeds of the wicked. And there are wicked people to whom it happens according to the deeds of the righteous. I said that this is also vanity. And I commend joy, for man is nothing better under the sun but to eat and drink and be joyful. For this will go with him in his toil through the days of his life that God has given him under the sun. When I applied my heart to know wisdom, this is, this is fascinating, isn't it? And to see business that is done on earth, how neither day nor night do anyone's eyes sleep, then I saw all the work of God, that man cannot find out the work that is done under the sun. However much man may toil in seeking, he won't find it out. Even though a wise man claims to know, he cannot find it out. Wow. I mean, that's just an amazing thing, isn't it? An amazing thing. Uh, so Solomon's, Solomon's sounds like he's depressing right now. You know, he sounds like he's... He's, he's a pessimist, and, and everything is falling apart. Why bother? And, and you sort of get this almost, this sense of defeatism in it. But that's not the case. We should be on guard against that type of thing, and that's emotionalism. Uh, in other words, that's like the subjective nature of our modern life. So we say it all the time. We say, I feel rather than I think. When people say to me that, I say, I feel, I, you know, I feel like poking them. Do you feel that? <laughs> um, you know, but uh, maybe your feet are itchy, maybe your stomach hurts, maybe you have a headache, but, but we're not talking about feelings. We're talking about, we're, we're talking about truth and, and ideas and concepts and principles. Okay? Feelings are not uh, truth, and they are downstream of truth. So one might feel quite well while falling from a great height, right? And that sensation is in no wise able to impact the reality of life because there's a rude reality coming and that is a sudden stop at the bottom of that fall. So the, one of the great truths of Christianity is that the heart is deceptively wicked, Jeremiah 79, right? And tempestuously so. So anyway, here's Sol <clears throat> Solomon says, the preacher says, and he just lays down a hammer of, of this. We, we, we aren't to abide by uh, this philosophy just because Right? That's the way it goes. It is what it is. So we're going to abide by it because it is what God says. It is who God is. Christian philosophy is a great truth of life in Jesus Christ, not mindless or impersonal faith. 
This is why we can experience great joy and beauty even amidst life's great storms. The preacher doesn't pull any punches. He wants us to know the truth, and this truth sets us free. We should enjoy our lives truly and completely without guilt, without reservation, because they're gifts from the Most High God. Now, of course, this precludes living a life of presumptuous sin. When I'm, I'm not saying that. We aren't to expect joy and peace while doing what's contrary to the word of the Lord. Sin produces misery and conflict. That's why. That's the nature of it. So if we're caught up in some type of backslide, right? Well, you can altogether stop that descent by crying out right now in repentance to God. Turn, turn from that. God's love is so great that he will never abandon one who cries out to him. Do it now. Don't wait. Don't dilly-dally. Get on with it. Just as well, though, he is so righteous that there is no life of unrepentant sin and pride that's going to make its way into his kingdom. So that said, our lives are not mere accidents. Our thoughts aren't brain gas or something, right? Our lives, our loves, our struggles, they aren't in vain so long as they're in Christ. That's the big key. All right? That's the big key. We, we can't forget that. So, are we going to be able to make sense of everything? No. Will every phase of our lives be the proverbial day at the beach? No, of course not. We're, we, are, we who are saved by faith and made righteous by faith will and must live in that faith. The purpose and meaning of our lives are in Christ, which means that we live the resurrection life through faith. There is no peace or truth outside of the obedience of faith. So we're not sitting there like a stoic and saying, well, it is the way it is. And I just have to deal with it. No, we know lovingly that our sovereign God who loves us has made it the way it is and that we will be able to glorify him wonderfully and beautifully throughout this. Okay? So that, that, the, the truth is Jesus Christ. It's not dialectical materialism. It's not existentialism. It's not logical positivism. It's not humanism. It's not wokeism. It's not anything other, any other ism. It is in Christ. So the story of all the so-called great philosophers from you know, Socrates to Hegel to whomever is a story of futility. They can't make sense of life. Man cannot figure it out. That's what the preacher is saying. But 1 Corinthians 1, 29-31 says, So that no human being might boast in the presence of God, and because of him you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us the wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption, so that, as it is written, let the one who boasts boast in the Lord. And this is the heart and soul of what we're calling Christian Stoicism. It isn't just what it is. It is what the Lord made it. Okay, so, so be prepared for mystery. All right, that's just the way it's going to go. Um, and here are some essentials that we want to consider. Number one, the fear of the Lord is both the purpose and the power of our life. We can't be wise if we miss this elemental thing about life. Remembering our Creator, Ecclesiastes 12.1, is the key to living well. That's the key. The end of the matter, all has been heard. Fear God. Keep His commandments. This is the whole duty of man. Why? Because God will bring every deed into judgment with every secret thing, whether good or evil. Other people are like, oh, you put something on the internet, it's there forever. Well, you don't think God sees everything? <laughs> um, number two, our lives are short and we're going to die. Um... Ecclesiastes 6, verse 6. Even though he should live a thousand years twice over, yet enjoy no good, do not all go to the same place. 
I mean, it doesn't matter. You live a thousand years, you live a hundred years, you live 50 years, you live 10 years. You're going to be dead a lot longer than you're going to be alive. That's the point. What the ultimate truth is in Christ. The ultimate truth is that he will judge all things. So that makes sense of everything downstream of it. Um, so again, Ecclesiastes 3, but, but there's a time and for, uh, for every matter and for every work. And I said in my heart with regard to the children of man that God is testing them so that they may see that they themselves are but beasts. Right? They all have the same breath. Um, all are from dust, and the dust all returns. So let's not let's not get and push push death so far out of our reckoning that we're losing the context. One of the biggest problems with meaningless and depression is that we lose focus because we forget what life is about. We forget where it's going, and and we just get midstream and we begin to panic. So number three, it's a fallen world. This is a fallen world. Sin is the cause of life's many and diverse sorrows. And though we're redeemed in Christ, we must not naively forget this fact. Righteousness is not living in a false simplicity, but in the grace of God, right? I mean, who cares if you go to a tiny home and you live off the grid and you do all these things? Those are fine things. But I'm saying, if you're doing them in the flesh, you're still going to die. Then who's going to get your tiny home? <laughs> who's going to get all your generators and all the, store, the food you've stored up? Who's going to get all that? Not, okay, so living in the hope of the age to come and the resurrection of our bodies must include the realism that this is a sin-sick world. Don't get so scared of what's going on in politics that you forget to live in Christ and you don't get shocked. You'd be shaking your head. You'd be, you could be crying in deep tears uh, in prayer for this fallen world, but you don't forget it is a fallen world. All right? It doesn't send you into becoming a survivalist. It sends you into becoming a great evangelist. That's the thing. Nowhere in Scripture does the Lord hide this important truth that this is a fallen world, right? Nowhere in, the, in, in, in Scripture does he tell his people to withdraw from the world so they can protect themselves from the coming apocalypse. He tells them to grow in faith, to trust him. So, I mean, see how many political movements are, are, are rooted in trying to fix men or society without ever dealing with sin, right? I mean, poverty, racism, sexism, oppression, Christian stoicism, Christianity, Okay, I'm calling it Stoicism because it, I'm, I'm hooking it to something that we would know so we can make sense of it. it. teaches us that we should neither give up in despair nor join a political crusade to try to fix men. Both are flip sides of heresy's coin. Okay, Ecclesiastes 7, verse 13, Consider the work of God. Who can make straight what he made, he's made crooked? Christ is the answer to everything that ails us and mankind. That's it. It doesn't mean you don't vote. It just means you vote with your eyes wide open. Number four, it isn't a sign or weakness to know, to not know, I'm sorry, what God is doing right now. But it is sin to assume that you should. <laughs> the root of sin is a desire to live according to our own standard, right? We're all in sales. We're stewards. We're not in management, right? We're not, we're not being told everything he's doing. Look at the disciples. 99 times out of 100, they were wrong with their presumptions about what Jesus was going to do and what he should be doing. Uh, so, the root of sin is that we think we should know good and evil on our own terms. Forget that. Trust Christ. Trust his word. He has made everything beautiful in his time, and he's put eternity into man's heart yet so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. That's Ecclesiastes 3.11. Okay? Um, Therefore, let your words be few. 
for a dream comes with much busyness and a fool's voice with many words. That's chapter 5, verse uh, 3 in Ecclesiastes. See, this alone I found, that God made man upright, but they've sought out many schemes. That's uh, 7.29. Then I saw the work of God, that man cannot find out the work that's done under the sun. However much man may toil in seeking, he won't find it out. Though a wise man claims to know, he can't find it out. That's 8.17. So, I can go on and on with this. It's just a low-hanging fruit. But people are walking around as if they, they've got to have all this knowledge about what to come. That's where people get ego, egotistical. They start getting into prophecies about, see, what this happens when this happens in Israel, this is going to happen and so forth. Uh, we're not going to know the times and seasons. Uh, we're going to be wise, but, wa- but wisdom, biblical wisdom, does not mean all-knowing. That's God. Number five, work and life are often quite wearisome and, here we go, disappointing in this lifetime. Uh, chapter 1, verse 8 of Ecclesiastes says, All things are full of weariness, a man cannot utter it. The eye is not satisfied with seeing, nor the ear filled with hearing. That's why a lot of times in life, we're just not content. It's a battle to be content. It is a battle, isn't it, guys? To be simple. And I applied my heart to seek and to search out by wisdom all that is done under heaven. It is an unhappy business that God has given to the children of man to be busy with. That's verse 13, chapter 1. Jesus Christ had a crown of thorns on his head at crucifixion because the thorns are evidence of the fall. They're a representative of the fall, not evidence. They're representative of the fall. Man, man, man's work is cursed because of the fall. But, this is point number six, work is commended and commanded. We should work, but not for self, but for and in the glory of the Lord. Cast your bread upon many waters, for you'll find it after many days. Uh, if you know, we should work. We don't know what's going to happen, so we have to many waters. Um, we need to be diverse. We need to we need to be diligent and faithful and prayerful in our exercise of our gifts. If the iron is blunt and one doesn't sharpen the edge, he must use more strength. But wisdom helps one to succeed. Verse ten, uh, chapter ten. What your whatever your hand finds to do, do it with your might. Okay, that do it. That's that's uh, Ecclesiastes 9, verse 10. That's an amazing line there, too. We're supposed to be focused on our work and do it with all of our power. Um, point number seven, despite struggles in our toil and the inevitability of our deaths, we aren't to live as those without hope. In fact, we should live thankful lives before God, enjoying everything deliberately and prayerfully. Christianity is in a life of suffering, but of joy in the spirit, in the face of it. It's not a life defined by suffering. It's a life through suffering. It's a life that goes through it with joy and with faith, fixed on Christ. And joy, mark this, joy is a gift from God. Let's not confuse joy with with temporary happiness. That's why people end up, they think they should never be upset, that they should never be depressed. But then why do I walk through the valley of the shadow of death? I will feel no evil. That's the key. You could be in a valley of depression, the valley of despair, the valley of confusion. Maybe even uh, the, the bitterness has started to set in. You take those things to the Lord knowing that he has conquered all of those things. So verse uh, 24 through 26 in chapter 2 says, There is nothing better for a person than he should eat and drink and find enjoyment in his toil. That's from the hand of God. For apart from him, who can eat or have enjoyment? For the one who pleases him, God has given wisdom and knowledge and joy. 
Okay? But to the sinner, he's given the busyness of gathering and collecting, only to give the one who pleases God. This also is vanity and a striving after wind. Um, chapter 3, I perceive that this is, there's nothing better for them than to be joyful and to do good as long as they live. Also, that everyone should eat and drink and take pleasure in all his toil. This is God's gift to man. That's verses 12 and 13. Uh, I, so I saw that there's nothing better than that a man should rejoice in his work, for this is his lot. Okay? Uh, on and on this goes. With work and have enjoyment, live simply. That's why I keep coming back to the Christian Stoicism, is that when we really rest in both the sovereignty and the goodness of the Lord, and obeying Him and, and resting in that, knowing that this all, the universe is personal, it's Him, He's the ultimate person. It's not an impersonal force, it's not Darwinism, it's Jesus Christ. That way, the confusion the alt utter confusion. I'm not saying confused. Sometimes we're confused. Sometimes we don't know what he's doing. But we don't utter confusion. That's despair. Or bitterness is that there is no justice. There will be. Which leads me to point number eight. Oppression and injustice are part of a fallen world because sin is present. And sin is enmity. And unless and until the enmity with God is overcome through faith, men will live in enmity with one another. The Christian, however, will not become bitter because he or she knows that God will bring every deed into judgment. Okay, uh, chapter 5, verse 8, Ecclesiastes says, If you see in a province the oppression of the poor and the violation of justice and righteousness, don't be amazed at the matter, for the high official is watched by a higher, and there are yet higher ones over them. God will bring everything into judgment. All right, number 9. Nothing will satisfy us outside the Lord. Knowing this allows us to live wisely using our time, talents, and property to his glory rather than making an idol of things. So, remember, let's go back to the bitterness. A lot of times some of us can get bitter by politics, about uh, some personal issue, some, somebody's betrayed us, somebody's hurt us, and, and uh, go back to Joseph. I mean, Joseph gets sold into slavery by his own brothers. And then, and then he gets thrown in jail falsely accused of, 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 of sexual assault with Potiphar's wife and, and is languishing in prison. So wherever he's gone, things haven't gone well. He wouldn't self-medicate through sin. A lot of guys out there, I'm pretty sure, if, if you were sold into slavery, you're in a far land, and, and you've you got to be feeling pretty sorry for yourself. This is a pretty bad turn of events. And then you're given the opportunity to have sex with your boss's wife Right? You, we could have easily done some mental gymnastics. It wouldn't have been too hard to arrive at the conclusion that, well, why not? That's my boss's wife. I'm just going to get in worse trouble. So maybe there's an exception to the don't commit adultery rule. But Joseph didn't do that. Joseph, I'm not going to sin against the Lord, even though he was sold into slavery. And, and then when he saw his brothers, right, he's weeping because he's already forgiven them. Now, he doesn't trust them. He's got to prove, they're going to be able to prove they can be trusted. But he's prepared to bless them because he knows God has blessed him. That's the key to the Christian living. Okay? So nothing's going to satisfy us outside the Lord. God getting back at our enemies, getting back at, you know, whether it is a, you're looking at it politically or you're looking at it with, with your, your, uh, a boss that you can't stand or somebody that did you wrong. 
we have done the Lord wrong. We have rebelled against him. We have let him down. And if we are disciplined in this Christian life, this Christian stoicism, we are preaching the cross and the gospel to ourselves every day. That changes everything about us. Okay? So, so I'll tell you what, right? Um, think about Ecclesiastes 2, 1 through 11, where Solomon says that, uh, the preacher says, come on, I'm going to test you with pleasure. Enjoy yourself. And he, all of these things he achieves, everything he does, he's got great possessions and herds. He's got the fruit trees. He's got the concubines. He's got everything he wants. He's got singers. He's got entertainment. He did all this stuff. Don't try to out Solomon Solomon. I mean, the man, the man was wealthy, right? And so he considered all that my hands had done and the toil I'd expended in doing it. And behold, all was vanity and a striving after wind. And there was nothing to be gained in those things outside of Christ. Number 10, God is completely in control of life, knowing this is power and it's peace of mind. Okay. In the day of prosperity, be joyful. And in the day of adversity, consider God has made the one as well as the other so that man may not find out anything that will be after him. That's Ecclesiastes 7 verse 14. There's a time and a season for everything and for every matter under heaven. Right? A time to be born and a time to die. Time to plant and a time to pluck up what's planted. Some of those moments are going to give us great joy. Some of them are going to give us great sorrow. But all of them are coming from the hand of God. And there is therefore now no condemnation for us. But that doesn't mean there will be no sorrow for us. That doesn't mean there's not going to be any losses here. But all of those things are taken into consideration that the tomb was empty Sunday morning. Jesus Christ lives. And so will we. Our history is not written Friday afternoon, but Sunday morning in Christ. That's the key to it. That puts everything in perspective. This world is, is just so uh, shot through with meaninglessness and despair. Our, our young, especially, why do you think they're turning to things like transgenderism and drugs? Why do you think there's so much uh, drug abuse? People are desperate for meaning. They're desperate for intimacy. And the lie of the enemy is that, oh, well, you can get intimacy through sex, through the sexual act. But they also grow more desperate and more alone because sin never satisfies. Only Christ does. We're made for him and we're always and forever going to be thirsty until we drink the true drink. And uh, that is the heart and soul of the message. That's the heart and soul of, of the gospel, the heart and soul of truth in Jesus Christ. Oh, so... I'll wrap this up. I hope this was, was edifying and encouraging for you. As always, there's nothing more important than for us, each person, to live in Christ according to the principles of the Word of the Lord and to know Him, right? If you love somebody, you want to spend time with them. You want to know what they did today, right? You want to know, hey, what'd you do? I mean, did you go to the store? Were you working? What happened? You want to know. We should want to know about God and Christ, and that's why we go to Scripture, to know Him in love. Not because we're arrogant, we want to know uh, weird things that we can just quote from Scripture, right? That's not the point of it. The point of it is love. So with that, <clears throat> I thank you for listening. And again, as always, humbly, I submit to you that I'm, I'm prayerful, that the Lord blesses all of us through this, and, and He keeps us to Himself during this, this uh, trying time. And... Check out, I've got a YouTube channel, Whatsoever's True, is on YouTube. So you can actually see some of these messages on YouTube, and uh, they will be there. And uh, pray, for, pray for me that I can, I can be consistent with this, because my other, my other responsibilities pull me away from this quite a bit. And that's why I'm, I'm inconsistent with it, I apologize. 
And yet again, I just want to thank you again for listening and hope it's, it's edifying and God glorifying. And I'll catch you guys next time.